welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It. This is episode 28. I am Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is my co-host... Tristan Riddell. Tristan! Hi! Hi! We are back! (laughs) Yes, that's right. We took a week off. Yeah, we kind of had to. Life got in the way, and so if you're listening to this as it's airing in 2017... It's good to be back. It's good to see you. I can't wait to punch something up this week because I just feel like getting violent. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. We took a week off and it was a little weird because I definitely missed talking with you and seeing your face. Likewise. And uh, podcasting with your face. And it was... Uh... That is a really weird phrase, dude. <laughs> that should be the episode title. Podcasting with your face. Boom. Done. Ha! Uh but yeah, it's a uh, it's difficult when life gets in the way. And also, if uh, for all of my people who listen to this show, but also listen to my other show on the network at the nerdparty.com called Nerd Nuptial, we will be coming back when that family stuff affects punch it. It also affects <laughs> Nerd Nuptial, and so you know <laughs> yes. there it goes. But yeah, we uh, we will be coming back, and punch it is back, and so Nerd Nuptial is coming back. Actually, you know what? I want to talk about another nerd party show and i think one that's uh that's doing very well and i think everybody should listen to and that's SETI alpha 3 this show is uh you, you probably heard of the guys who are on this star trek show you got darren moser philip gilfus daniel prue and it's our general star trek show on the network it's great everybody should listen to it and uh it got i was listening to it i was listening to the latest episode on the way home today mm-hmm. in the car on my commute uh, while i was thinking about this show and it's called Star War Games. Star War Games. Star Wars Games or something. Yeah. Star, yeah, Star War Game. It's a play on, on words and everything like that. It's kind of jumbled. But anyway, it's a, it's a game show where they, that they develop where they're asking Star Trek questions. And it made me think about the old days when we were on Trek FM together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so I'm calling them out right now. We need to join the old Earl Grey team and the old TTJ team (laughs) together again because we need to have another Star Trek trivia show. I don't care if it's on this show or their show. It's got to happen where the five of us get together, Philip hosts, and it's Darren and Daniel against Char and Tristan. What do you say? (laughs) Oh, I love it because we kind of had the tendency to win these things. Now, Darren and Daniel, they might not be quite as enthusiastic because we kicked their butts so much. However, that also gives me flashbacks to when we were at Star Trek Las Vegas last year and we did mm-hmm. the trivia or the episode titled Lightning Round and we totally blew it in front of everybody. <laughs> we bombed hard. And oh, you got more than gosh. I did. You it got way horrible. more than I did. Well, those Netflix descriptions are not very descriptive. I mean, there was a specifically, I remember the one about Troy and it described pretty much every Troy episode in the whole series. So... That was not as easy as it looked, but we definitely got heckled a little bit from the loving audience who, hey, they probably did know a little more than we did. We probably should have brushed up on our episode titles. We maybe (laughs) should have even prepared a little and uh, gone through memory alpha a little more or something to go in better prepared. But you don't really know 
what is going to be a part of these types of games. We don't get any information beforehand. We just go out there and do it. And so <laughs> we made fools of ourselves, but we had a lot of fun doing it. And I would, I would love the chance to get back with Darren Daniel. And Philip, of course, is an amazing host and yes, do another is. game show because the latest SETI Alpha 3 was so much fun. Getting back to those roots. Yes, it was so much fun. And so, guys, if you're listening, and you better be listening. Yeah. We listen to your show, obviously. <laughs> We're calling you out, and we need to have a reunion because it's been a year. Like you said, it's been a year, almost a year since we did that. Just and, about. Uh, and it needs to happen again. Now, one other tidbit from people who used to listen to uh, to The Journey and uh, and also uh, some Earl Grey when we were all on Trek FM together. Some behind-the-scenes trivia is that I used to go out in front of crowds all the time. Like, I used to perform theater. I would used to perform improv comedy live. And uh, it was no sweat for me. It was no sweat whatsoever. But all of this was before I had my anxiety attack. I had my first one in 2011. And so my anxiety has been a little uh, weird ever since then. It's something that didn't affect me beforehand, uh-huh. and but it's affected me ever since. And we've talked a lot about this and our experiences with these kind of uh, disorders and illnesses and everything like that on onto the journey a long time ago. Uh, so I'm not ashamed to talk about it. But what happened was is that this game show that we did live in Vegas was kind of the first group live activity that I've that I did in a very long time years yes i remember when we were backstage you were nervous and you said as much and uh, i was just like me too but here we go like i started walking (laughs) around i started like trying to pump myself up and i was like i was was like okay there's the bathroom if you need to throw up it's totally cool if you do (laughs) and Uh i remember that i was backstage with you and everybody else i was trying to pump myself up and I, i started screaming at you i said char Hit me in the face. Hit me in the face. And I was I was dead serious. <laughs> and you pa- you pantomime slapping me. And I was like, no, hit me in the face. And you're like, Tristan, I'm not going to hit you in the I, face. How can I do that? <laughs> I, I mean, we can't go out there and like, there's an imprint of my hand on your cheek. That is not right. <laughs> no, but I, but then at the same time, though, I mean, I get it. I've had anxiety attacks before. And for those who've never had one... First off, lucky you, because once you do mm-hmm. start having anxiety attacks, it sort of triggers a chain reaction. It makes you, I think, more susceptible to keep having them. Yeah. So yeah. it's like once you cross that barrier, that's it. I mean, it's something that you and I both have to constantly manage. I've referred to it as opening the floodgates where yes. it's kind of it's like there's a dam. Your entire life is a dam holding back water. And where you can manage it and manage it, and it's fine. But then there's just some event in your life or some situation or a series of situations that just kind of chip away at the dam. And then, boom, it's just busted open and it's very hard to repair. It really is. And so there's always things that you can do to cope and try to deal and manage it. But like you said, once that door opens, uh, there's really no going back. Now, I feel like Star Trek deals with um, mental illness and uh, mental disorders a lot. Sometimes they do it better than others. We have to admit. I oh, mean, yeah. Like when you have 700 plus episodes, some are great, some are not so great, some are downright bad when it deals with these things. Sometimes it's sensitive, sometimes it's not so sensitive. <laughs> but I think one person who has had a very calming presence 
on Star Trek and who I love to watch. And if I had any kind of anxiety issues, someone who I'd love to go to is not necessarily Counselor Troy, but it would be <laughs> Guinan. Right. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to write a story about Guinan. She tends bar and she listens. And yes, she is a calming presence. And yes, to be honest, I'd rather go to Guinan than Troy too, because even though Troy has the formal training, Guinan and her intuition are, I think, much more in touch with people's emotions and what they, what they need. She's incredibly good at setting people on the direction they need to go in when they have a problem. And that's why they go to her. Now, are we writing a story on the fly or are we just talking about a backstory? Or are we just giving her a backstory? I think it would be fun to give her a backstory. Okay. Because you mentioned writing a story on the fly. Oh, are, sorry. Uh, I think. Okay, yes. Yeah, let's specify because th those can be a little bit different. Um, I think the funner thing to do first off before we write a story on the fly is we've got to define a few things about Guinan. For as many episodes as she was in, we did not get to know too terribly much about her. There's a lot of gaps we can fill. There are a lot of gaps. I'm not arguing with that because you were absolutely right. But the thing is, though, is that when I did my research and went to Memory Alpha, there was a whole lot more than I initially remembered. Yeah, you think and so? See, I, I felt different. Now, okay, let me. I just want to read. Consider this story time. Oh, story time! I want to read just two passages. And this is um, family and friendships under personal relationships. Okay. Under Guinan's page. And so here's, here's family. Guinan was born sometime prior to the 19th century Earth calendar. Her father was 700 years old as of the 24th century. In her life, Guinan married 23 times and had, quote unquote, a lot of children. She had a good relationship with her maternal uncle, Turkum, or I think Terkum or something like that, the black sheep of the family. However, Guinan once had relatively unusual, for her species, difficulty with relating to one of her sons, as he wouldn't listen to anyone. After several hundred years, Guinan managed to persuade him to open up to her, convincing him to do so just by listening to him, though she didn't initially realize she was thereby shaping him. And so under friendships, it says, Immediately upon coming aboard the Enterprise, Guinan was able to draw the attention of many people because of the mystery surrounding her age and origin. Except for Captain Picard, none of the Enterprise crew members had met her, but she soon developed a friendly relationship with the many members of its senior staff. Which immediately brings up one thing, her relationship with Picard. Yeah. Apparently they go way back, but also as stated on Memory Alpha, apparently like they didn't, I guess, know each other uh, in person or what have you, or, or at least cognizantly until she arrived on the Enterprise. So there's something to that. And Time Zero, I think, is a part of that. But there's more. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that. Because that's that's a little vague. Like, according to this right here, it says that Captain Picard met her before the Enterprise. But I'm not seeing where. I, well, I think that's vague on purpose. Oh, you think, you think so? I think so. That's what I get out of it. That's one relationship that I've always really been intrigued about. And I think, I mean, how, how could you not be intrigued by that? Because it's such a special relationship. Yeah. And Guinan even, even described it once as beyond friendship and beyond family. Yes, yes. And so what is this about? What is this connection that she has with Jean-Luc? And why don't we know more about this? There was a lot of potential and they never really capitalized on it. And also... Speaking of Time's Arrow, 
we know that this is chronologically the first time they meet because it's in the 19th century. Right. But from Picard's perspective, it's not the first time they meet. But from Guinan's perspective, it is. And so <laughs> it, when you deal with time travel, it's all kind of weird. But yeah. the main thing, the reason why I'm bringing it up is not because of the chronological or anything like that. It's because when they looked at each other, it was pure attraction. That's what it was. <laughs> and there's no way you can convince me otherwise because maybe it could be perceived as Picard just looking at an old friend and being fascinated by seeing a younger version of herself, quote unquote younger. But from Guinan's perspective, she was clearly intrigued by this man that she'd never met before in her life. And she admitted that she loves bald men. Yes. In, a, yes. in another episode. And so with Picard being so enchanted by her in this moment because i feel like he knew that he could get away with something it's almost like a less awkward version of cisco sleeping with alternate reality dax (laughs) (laughs) no that was you know what i mean well yes but no (laughs) i was still creeped out by that whole thing (laughs) oh i know but i know what you mean yes you know what i mean but with this one so that's what makes me wonder is that the backstory we want to focus on? Is that what we want to kind of build upon? Because I know I, I already came up with a yeah a headcanon relationship for Picard already. but <laughs> with, with Jay, yes. A part of me was like, could Picard, Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise, be one of those 23? I'm not saying it's a definite thing. I'm not even saying I think that. I'm posing the question. Okay. Timeline-wise, I'm not really sure. Because we know Guinan is very old. And we know yes. that she she's had a family. She's had kids. And even her kids are several hundred years old. I kind of feel like she did sort of like the marriage and family thing before the Borg destroyed the Alorian home planet. Okay. And then, I don't know, I'm just making this up. I think she probably lost all of her family and friends and pretty much everything she knew when the Borg took over. And then we see her on the Enterprise B, and so then she's kind of like trying to start this new life. Now, Jean-Luc Picard is not quite alive in that time, so we can't have him come in at that point. And I, I, I don't know, I have a hard time piecing it to where Guinan wants to marry Jean-Luc Picard really at any stage of his life. And also, we wouldn't know that. Yeah, I think it's got to be a little more... I think there's got to be more meat to it. It's probably got some weird time travel thing going on, or <laughs> it was another life, another universe, or, or something. But given that Elorians have kind of an intuition with... Like with yesterday's Enterprise, how she knew the timeline had changed and things like that. There's a lot of avenues that we can go. However, it's going to be really complicated. Yeah. So, I mean, the the whiteboard, I mean, we can fill it up, but it's not that big. (laughs) I don't know if I'm down with the idea of them being married, but there's got to be something to this special friendship. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, as you were talking, I was like, okay, that's stupid. Throw it out. Throw it out. Throw out the marriage (laughs) thing throw out the marriage thing but i don't know i'm intrigued with the idea of making them have a relationship but at the same time i recognize that sometimes when you're dealing with fiction and also with real life Mm -hmm. is that when you have a great 
friendship, a strong connection. That's where something goes beyond friendship, beyond family. Sometimes when you add in a relationship, when you make a romantic relationship, it can muddy the waters and sometimes take away from the specialness. Now, I'm talking in generalities and mainly in fiction, uh-huh. mainly in fiction, guys. So get off my back about the <laughs> about the, the, the little details. So before we kind of start, do you think that's a good idea to explore that or about a possibility of a romantic relationship? Or do you think that should be hands off because it takes away from the special uniqueness of it? Oh, that's a really interesting way you put that because I feel split where sometimes things are best left a mystery for a reason. However, there's potential to do that. I want to pitch a couple of other things just real quick to see if they spark your interest. And if not, we can go with this. So going into recording, Guinan's relationship with Picard was one avenue I thought we could explore. The other thing was when she hid from her father and was on Earth in the 19th century, why was she hiding from her father? (laughs) What is that about? We could explore that. Yeah. And the other thing is we know that she has, how would you call it, maybe a contentious relationship with Q. What are the dealings with Q and Guinan and Elorians. Now, of course, that also brings up a big can of worms because Q are, they can be the deus ex machina. I mean, they're pretty much godlike. Mm-hmm. But Elorians live so long and clearly they know each other. What's the story behind that? So what do you think of those ideas? Or should we just go back to Guinan and Picard? Well, I think... It's, it's difficult. It's difficult because you got to have a starting point where we could just say like, okay, let's just start at the beginning. We could develop her childhood. We could develop one event. We could develop the whole, why is she hiding from her father? We could develop the Borg thing, the Q thing, uh, the Picard thing. <laughs> I don't feel like we can do all of them. That would take too long for one podcast for sure. It really would. Or, and uh, we could talk about the Enterprise B thing or... Or what she did after the Enterprise D. There's so many areas that we could talk about and develop and create headcanon or stories. I just thought of another idea out of the blue. Why did Guinan become a bartender? How did she fall into that? <laughs> I think that's actually an easy one because Elorians are a race of listeners. They listen. Yes. And she's very good at it. And I feel like bartenders are kind of known for being the pseudo counselor, for being the person who wipes <laughs> down the bar. And and just listens to everybody's troubles as they drink. Well, I mean, it's true. Bartenders listen, but they don't often dispense good advice. <laughs> yeah, well. Whereas Guinan... I guess it depends on which bar you go to. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it maybe even depends on what you're drinking and how, many, how well you're tipping. Who knows? But, okay, so maybe that's a little too simplistic. I'm just trying to think of a good, easy way to ease us into this because the stories that we may be able to fill out here have a lot going on here. Well, okay, maybe we can do more than just one. Let's start and just do do some brief brainstorming on the thing. So let's let's talk about let's talk about childhood. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start about let's talk about childhood. So we know that she is very old, where her father was seven hundred years old. Yes. By the twenty fourth century. So Guinan could be anywhere near close to that. She could be six hundred and seventy, for all we know. <laughs> Or she right. could be 300. You know, like, I, I think, I feel like that's the range. It's got to be in there because if she talked about how her son 
is a couple hundred years or she had to wait a couple hundred years or over a hundred years for him to get back on her good side. Yeah. Then we know that she's at least a couple hundred years old. Yeah. I would even say, I mean, a few hundred is probably a good safe median. And we don't know exactly how long Elorians live. I mean, they might be able to live a thousand years. Well, she was, and she was also present in 1893 in earth years. Yes. And so that's, 500 years no wait no so 23 so yeah that would be like 400 500 years okay so she's getting up there but maybe not for an elorian yeah and we don't know how young she was though yeah in that so yeah so that's a so she's probably around yeah close to 500 like probably at least 500 years old if she was born (laughs) (laughs) at uh, 30 years before 1893 okay so for simplicity's sake, let's go with that because we could argue it till the end of time. There's so many possibilities there. We just have to decide true. on something. This sounds good. There you go. Okay. So 500 years ago, at least, she is an Elorian. We don't know much about the homeworld. All we know is that they're a race of listeners and they have some sort of method of travel that allows them to get to Earth but also their homeworld exists somewhere near Borg space, we could assume, right? I would imagine so. So they're probably in the Delta Quadrant. Is that not a safe assumption? I think one could assume that, but th- we, know that the, we know that the Borg do go outside of the Delta Quadrant. Yes, but... <laughs> I mean, it took them a little while to get there. So if the Elorian homeworld is fairly close to Borg space, it's got to be that far out. So maybe Elorians either have the technological capability or some method of being able to traverse space and time, you know, pretty, not effortlessly, but they have the ability. They, they're capable of going just about anywhere. Yeah, and that's fascinating to me because they would have to be an extremely technologically advanced civilization in order right. to be able to travel that quickly but also an extremely secretive one because they're not sharing the technology. No one knows where she's even from, but they do know the name of the race, but they don't know how they travel and they're not telling them (laughs) and they're not pissed about it because when I, like, here's the thing is that if I heard that Voyager was lost in the Delta Quadrant, I would have gone to Guinan and said like, hey, how did you get from your home world to Earth in 1893 how did you do it so quickly? Right? And could you not help us out a little bit? Or or actually, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm completely wrong because if they live hundreds of years and she's at least 500 years old and at maximum warp, it would take 75 years to get from the Delta Quadrant to the Alpha Quadrant. Maybe it took her that long to get to Earth. That's entirely possible, right? Because maybe 75 years, it seems like a long time to us. Maybe not so much for them. See, that is a story that I would love to talk about is her journey to Earth in early 1893 and what drew her there. Or maybe nothing drew her there. Maybe she was just traveling. Maybe she was just (laughs) bouncing around. Well, I mean, there's that whole thing where she was hiding from her father. Was that the same time? I think it was. Yes, yes, it was. Yes. So... Let's decide then why maybe she was hiding from her father. And I do like the idea, though, where she just wants to travel. Maybe we can fold both of these things together. Ooh, okay. So what about this? Guinan is actually royalty. Okay. 
She's Elorian royalty. And it's that stereotypical story of, I don't want to be royalty. I don't want the royal duties. It's kind of like Deanna Troy's situation where she doesn't want to marry who she's supposed to marry. She doesn't want to rule. She doesn't want subjects. And her father is a high up official. Maybe he's king. I don't know. I don't know if they have a bonnet or not. But then she's just like, you know what? F this. I'm going to travel the entire galaxy. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to see new things and other cultures and I'm going to blend in. I have an idea. Okay. I Maybe it doesn't have to be a monarchy, but maybe she is just part of a very prominent, important family, and she is expected to take on important Elorian things. Okay. I like that. Uh, you know, maybe you just, you know, maybe whatever her father is doing is going to be passed to her. She's going to be expected to fill that role, yada, yada. And at the same time, I mean... She had to have been married however many times at this point, had some kids at this point, you know, all these responsibilities. What if after a while she just got really fed up with the whole thing and said, look, okay, I've done my duty. I have my family. I've got plenty of children who can fill this role. You don't need me. And you know what? For once in my life, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do something I want to do. There's a whole galaxy out here and I want to learn about it. I like that a whole lot more. I like the idea of it not being royalty or formal or anything like that, where it's really just she's a part of a prominent family. Maybe they're very influential, whether it's government or business or religion. Who yeah. knows? You know, like something. Well, uh, maybe in Time Zero, I mean, was she not sort of, I guess, like a little bit of a socialite in the 1800s? Yes. Yes, she Maybe was. there's a bit of connection there. She was prominent in society. So, so maybe she knows how to fit in that way. Yeah, maybe she was at home in that in that situation. Maybe she just felt too tied down and decided, screw this. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm so done. Which goes against, I think, Elorian culture, at least what we know of it, where listening is important, but also to listen to other Elorians. Because when she's talking about her son not listening to her, what if she did the same thing to her father? Well, yeah. And she, you know, she's defying his wishes by not listening to his guidance or what have you. So I like that. Maybe she goes against the grain by thinking of herself from a human American culture. That's very common. Uh You think about yourself. Individualistic. Sure. Yeah. You're raised by your parents and then you go out on your own and decide your own life. And then if you're lucky, you call your parents once a week. And (laughs) but maybe with El Orion culture, maybe it's a little bit closer to some of the Eastern cultures that we have where they're like, no, it's all about family. It is all about like, you do what's best for the family. You're in the family business. You do this, you do that. You listen to each other. You listen to the family and you do what's best for everybody else. And Guinan's just like, you know what? Uh, No, I want to travel. I want to experience. I'm going to listen to everybody else's stories, not just what's on the home world. Yeah, maybe, I mean, considering the long lifespan, maybe she is just bored (laughs) <laughs> as well, knowing that there's so much more out there, but maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe, I mean, with Elorians living so long, they gather so much experience. Maybe Elorians are at a stage of isolationism, though, hmm. when she when she does this, where we've seen it all. It's been done. Don't even worry about it. You can read all about it. We've got all <laughs> the chronicles and everything. And she's just like, no, I want to see it for myself. It's not the same. But going against her culture where you do what's right for the family and the greater good, going out on your own would be seen as incredibly selfish and probably would, 
I'm guessing maybe be disowned from the family or certainly not looked well upon. Yeah, I don't think I want to go as far as disowned because it sounds like Guinan's father was still looking for her. You know, like she was expecting him to look mm. for her, but she did it in a coy way. She's like, did my father send you? It wasn't like, did my father send you? Yeah, that's, that's true. So I think it's really just like, oh my God, it's like, it's Guinan being Guinan again, where it gives the father <laughs> the headache, you know, instead of like, okay. I have disowned you and he rips open a shirt, you know? Okay, no, I like that a little better where it's just, that's her personality and it's tough to deal with. I mean, but the, you got to accept who she is for who she is. Now, here's the thing though, is that if she does this, I mean, like we develop, that's what she does. She goes out and it takes her a while to get to Earth. I don't think it's a destination. I think it's a stop along the way where she's like, oh, I wonder what this planet's like. Totally. And she's like, holy crap, I look exactly like these people. Right? <laughs> yeah, so she's got to stick around for a little while and study this. So what we know, there's a huge gap in between 1893 and the 23rd century where she winds up on Enterprise B. Yes. And so she's a refugee from her home planet. So what that means is, is that she finds her way back home. You would think so, yes. Now, what if, if we want to twist the knife just a little more deeply, because behind every good character is a little bit of pain. <laughs> what if she spent a good majority of those centuries traveling across the galaxy, visiting various planets and seeing what's out there. She's finally on her way back, and that is right before the Borg strike. Yes. She comes back just in time for the tragedy. I like that idea where she she thinks because she lives so long, her race lives so long, her father lives so long, she thinks she has all the time in the world. Yeah. Uh, in the universe. And so she makes, she finally makes her way back. And she's like, okay, I'll talk with my dad. We'll make amends. I know he's upset with me, but it's no big deal. Yeah, She's ready now. Like, okay, I've done my yeah. thing. I'm ready to come back. And if my dad still wants me to take his place eventually. Okay, I'll do it. I'm open to it. I at least have the conversation. Right, let's talk. And then... All hell breaks loose. Ooh. I love that idea because it adds even more depth to the tragedy because it's not just right? her losing her culture or losing her home world. It's her losing her family and the connection and the chance for redemption, for reconciliation. Yes, yes. I mean, she she really does lose everything. And if you think about what she looks like when they show her on the Enterprise B, it's not just because she was torn from the Nexus. There's a lot of pain behind those eyes, and that would lend to all of these things happening. And it also makes you wonder, what did she see in the Nexus? Ma like oh, was she with her family yeah a and then she gets torn away from that as well ouch torn ripped yes yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh man i want to watch generations now i, I do too <laughs> right and it's not even christmas time that's when i tend to do it I know. I don't care what anybody says. I love watching Generations. It's a Christmas movie for me just because that's when it came out. And then there's like the whole Christmas subplot yeah. with Picard. Like how Guinan saw the Nexus as a warm blanket. I see Star Trek Generations as a warm blanket. Absolutely. Wrap myself up. Yep. Up in. Tangible. All right. So there we go. Okay. So that's that's that. We have her backstory of loosely of what it was like when she was a child, you know, raising up in a prominent family. And then she goes off on her own and she just has warp travel. It's not that advanced of a race. 
but I'm sure more so than humans, obviously, because they had warp tra- warp travel in the eight- in the 19th century. Yeah, actually, if we ignore threshold, maybe they've got just a little faster than what we know of warp speeds. You know, there's there's some technology oh, yeah. that lets them go just a little bit faster, but not in an instant. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great idea. So, and then um, her family gets destroyed right when she goes back to have some reconciliation. She's a refugee. So how does she make it back to the Alpha Quadrant so quickly? That always kind of concerned me because if the planet is far away to the point where we don't really know where it is or where she's from because it was destroyed in the 23rd Mm. century, it has to be pretty far out, right? Well, how about this? I guess one thing that you could think about is that they're refugees, but it doesn't mean... It doesn't really say that their homeworld was destroyed by the Borg right then and there. Like, around that time. It could have been a long time from then. Ooh. And maybe they just promised to stick together as long as possible until they, until they found right. safe harbor Right. You would somewhere. think in all of that time, if they're coming from the Delta Quadrant, that they would have found some place for refuge, though. That's the only stumbling block I see to this. Maybe that's where we could add a little bit to it, where we make Guinan a little bit more prominent, where... The Borg destroy the homeworld. There's a handful of Elorians left. A handful. Even fewer than Vulcan in the alternate timeline. Okay. So it is beyond an endangered species. It's almost extinct. And so everybody's like, what do we do? Do we need a leader? Who do we look up to? And then everybody's like, well, Guinan's from such and such family. Maybe she has an idea of what we should do. And then what if Guinan says, okay, I just spent a whole bunch of time on Earth and they're really going places like uh, when i went it wasn't so great but around this time they just got out of world war they just met the vulcans and now is a prime time to get involved with the new society so let's head towards the alpha quadrant also elorians look humanoid yes exactly and so she's like we could integrate with these people and it wouldn't be that big of a deal so okay i like that i like that being her big idea let's head straight for these guys they'll take care of us they're a species or rising their star is rising and it's not going to be too much of a problem and we should have no problem integrating into their society yeah so that so they look up to her and she's like this is my idea they make the way back and so it takes a long time to get there and you know there's people rumbling like oh we could settle here we could settle there and she's like no we're going to the alpha quadrant and then by the time by the time they actually enter Federation space, like holy crap, we got entrapped in, in, in by the by the. Okay, Nexus. yeah, that was the other thing I was just about to bring bring up was the Nexus. Have they been in there for a little while? Is it kind of a newer thing? What do you think? I think how she describes it in generations is, is that they were just there in there for a couple of minutes. Okay. But the thing is. That couple of minutes could feel like an eternity. That's true. So maybe in our understanding of time, you know, linear time, it wasn't that long, but for them, it felt like forever. Okay. Okay. Right. And that's the thing is that that's why it was so hard for Soren to let go is because maybe like to us, it was just a couple of minutes, but to them, it was a couple of days or a couple of weeks or something like that. Or however long you want, honestly, since it's the Nexus. Right, and then all they were ripped, they were pulled. And so one guy got obsessed and had to go back at no matter the right. cost. Okay, so that brings us to 23rd slash 24th century here. Yeah. So does she go to Earth then? I think so. I think she, uh, she at least hangs around Federation space. Yeah. I think she at least hangs around the solar system. Maybe she goes back to San Francisco just to see how it's changed. 
Like, hey, I kind of remember this landscape. It's very, it's different, but there's still a couple things here I actually remember. That's kind of cool. Maybe that's where she meets Picard. Maybe she meets Picard at the Academy because Ooh. she's working in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. And maybe he becomes infatuated with her, but she's just like, no, I am not interested in a relationship right now. You have no idea how many times I've been married, young man. <laughs> I like that idea, but I think it needs to be a little bit more. And I know you're just you're dumb. Oh yeah, down, yeah. But I think it needs to be a, it needs to be more playful than that. Oh where yeah. Maybe like like a huge flirtation though. Yes, yes, a huge flirtation, and Picard goes to his favorite bar. It's off campus, and all of a sudden he meets this bartender, and he's just like, "Who is this woman?" Yeah. Like she is so soulful and amazing. She listens to me, and she's gorgeous, and she's got a great hat. Yeah, she's got a great hat. You could get lost in that saucer of a hat. <laughs> and, you know, she talks about, she's just there for him. Maybe he goes through relationship after relationship and he keeps going back to Guinan uh, for advice saying like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they're like, oh, Johnny. And then he finally says, like somebody says, like, why don't you ask Guinan out? Like you keep talking about Guinan. Like his other friends. Yeah, I love it. Like they're kind of pushing him because you do nothing but just rave about this woman. It's like you can't keep your mind off of her. I think that's the one you should ask. And he's like, no, I can't ruin a good thing. Yeah, yes. I mean, she is my rock. I need her to be this person. I can't be in an intimate relationship with her. And maybe, but his friends got him thinking about it. And so he's toying with the idea. Even though he says that to his friends. He's like, I can't do that. She's... She's a friend. I don't want to ruin that friendship. But he's just like, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should pursue it. Would she even want to be with me? What's going on? Uh -huh. and well, being young and impressionable, too, you're going to second guess yourself. Oh, yeah. And of course, and we know that Picard had a thing for the older ladies. Oh, yeah. From Tapestry. Truth. So what, so what if he kind of tests the waters with her, saying like, hey, do you want to go out sometime? Like, maybe I could take you out or something like that. He doesn't say, he doesn't say like on a date, but he says like, I'd love to see you outside of the bar. And she says yes. And then he, maybe he tries to make the moves and she's like, oh, okay, all right, Sunny Jim. Like, <laughs> Simmer down. I'm a wee bit older than you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then she says like, yeah, I'm like hundreds of years old. And he's like, oh, you're not human? Yeah, I never said I was human. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. But what's a few hundred years, you know, between lovers? <laughs> yeah, and th that's something that, like, Picard says. He said he's like, ah, that doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah, like, I'm into you. I don't care how old you are. And then she throws down the maturity card and totally plays it with nothing but class. And then this is, like, freshman year. And over the course of his academy years, they just grow closer and closer and closer where it's intimacy without sexuality. Yeah, I like it. So it kind of goes, I mean, it also matures him. I mean, you start out in the academy, you're kind of a cocky jackass a little bit. Uh, but he's got the wisdom of Guinan to kind of anchor him a little bit, keep him focused, keep him grounded, help turn him into the man he's eventually going to be. And so... In the interim years then, like when he's on the Stargazer and even before that, I would love to think that they have just a constant communication back and forth somehow. Or maybe they keep running into yes. each other. Like maybe Guinan decides, okay, you know what? I'm, I've had enough fun in San Francisco. It's time to go back out again. And she's maybe hopping from yeah. ship to ship. She works random things. You know, she goes on freighters. She goes to stations. She tries it all because she can do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we have conflicting reports where Picard invited 
Guinan onto the ship personally uh-huh. because they had a long time relationship. And but uh, we found out in the child that she only knew Picard after boarding the Enterprise. So I'm since this is a contradiction yeah. in canon, I'm gonna go with when she first came on board. She wasn't willing to tell everybody about her relationship and friendship with Picard. Wait, I have another idea. What if Picard did not know that that was Guinan? What if she went by another name, another identity? I don't like that. No? No, I don't like that. I don't like ah. that. Because I like, the, I like the idea of Picard being the captain of the flagship. And like where you talked about how she helped make him the man he is today. Or he was then. And I love the idea of him being the captain of the flagship and saying, you know what? I need you on this ship. I need you with me. I have so much more responsibility now. It's not just me captaining the Stargazer. I am captaining the flagship. I'm going to be under a microscope from Starfleet. And I've done this for a year. And you know what? Things have been rocky. I need your help. Hmm. And so I want you to personally come on board as my friend and also as (laughs) the bartender. And so I like the idea of keeping that special connection, not okay. having it happen by accident. Okay, so are we just basically going to ignore the canon then? Because I like your idea a little better. Well, no, it's not. That, there's conflicting canon. That's the problem. Is that that's the thing? Is that like there's conflicting canon where in one episode they talk about how it was she came on board under personal request, but how could she come on board due to personal request if? Guinan only knew Picard after boarding the Enterprise, so it's conflicting. Yeah. And so I'm saying, I'm retconning it in my mind by saying she said that to everyone in The Child, the episode The Child, where we first saw her, because she wasn't willing to divulge how close she was to the captain of the vessel. Mm, I like it. Seeing as how maybe the 10 forward lounge was sort of a newer thing, I would love just to have like that communique between Guinan and Picard where they're catching up and he's like, Oh, and by the way, the lead bartender quitted our lounge. Why don't you come aboard? I would love to be able to see you and talk to you a little more regularly. You'd have a regular assignment. What do you say? You get to be the lead bartender on the flagship of the fleet. Come on, this is a great opportunity. Get your butt over here. And explore like we know you love to do. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Maybe then more of the emotional persuasion. Like I feel like Jean-Luc Picard, especially early on, has to play that down. Even though she knows and he knows that maybe they really want and need each other, especially him for the support that she can give just mm-hmm. by being her, he's going to be like, it would be really beneficial to have you here. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's, also, there's one thing I want to add, even though we're past it, is yeah. I would love the idea of her being the first person at his bedside when he gets a heart transplant. Ooh. Oh, that's a cute idea. I like it. Like she brings him flowers or something. You know, like he wakes <laughs> up from surgery and he sees her. Aw. Yeah. That's adorable. I like that idea. Yeah. That's a good scene right there. All right. Well, I think that's good, right? I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the big broad strokes of filling in a lot of gaps and creating a timeline. Not bad. I think so. I I dig it. I think uh, it's believable as uh, anything else that we've done. (laughs) Which either means we're completely full of it or we did (laughs) A-OK. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and subscribing. One thing that we really want you to do, don't tune it off. Don't turn off the podcast. We're not completely done. Okay? Don't turn it off. We would love you. We do love you. 
We do love you, but we would love you to do an action, and that is going to iTunes and writing us a review. Please, please, please. Please. We do this for free, and we do this because we love it. And one way that you can show your appreciation is by going to iTunes and giving us a review. You can give us any kind of rating that you deem worthy, but if you give us a five-star review, we will mention you on the show. And uh, like yes. we said, it, it really it really helps us out mentally. It also helps out the show because the more ratings we get, the higher we are up on lists, and then the more visible we become. So please do that if you can. And at, uh, while you're at it, please go to facebook.com slash the nerd party. Give us a like. Also check us out on Twitter at join nerd party and go to the nerdparty.com for all of our other mini shows. We got new content coming to you every single day of the week. Shar, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And where can people find you? You can find me at the insane Robin. And I really enjoyed this episode because we punched it like Guinan's tiger style. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.